right, now it is my pleasure to introduce someone awesome to you guys. This is Dave Krikak. I could talk forever about him. I won't do that. Um, but I want to at least set the stage a little bit. So Dave, his wife Sandy, their daughter Sarah is here this morning. These guys are just dear, lifelong friends of ours. They are visiting from the Franklin, Tennessee area. Um, they have devoted their life to following Jesus. They answered a call to move from California with a couple of families to Middle Tennessee um, to be a part of launching Grace Chapel, where we were birthed out of 27 years ago. Um, they've given their life to serving uh, the special needs community. And Dave's going to share a little bit about that this morning. And there's an opportunity for us as a church there. But they're dear friends in our lives. Um, when we entered a whole new phase of life and we're in the hospital finding out um, our third daughter, Abby, had Down syndrome, I mean, you guys were there immediately. We looked up to y'all for years and you were immediately there loving us, encouraging us, um, Man, I just, I can't say enough about you guys. I love y'all. So can we just say thank you and make them feel welcome and then give Dave Krikak Thanks, a couple girl. minutes of attention. Love you, my friend. Thank you, Pastor. Well, good morning. Um, Fifteen years ago, my wife and I were called to start a nonprofit thrift store because our daughter was graduating from high school and couldn't find a job. And the Lord tapped me on the shoulder and said, you're going to do something about this. And I said, all right, if that's your big idea, then I need these things to happen. He made those things happen, just like he does. So for 15 years, we've had 25 young adults with disabilities, 25 people that work with them, and we ran that thrift store successfully in Franklin. In June, our store was shut down, and that chapter came to an end. And I didn't really understand at the time why. And I was saying, all right, Lord, why no? And I, I just, you know, when the Lord gives you a no, you're, start, you're starting to look for the yes. And it wasn't happening, but I knew that he's a God of yeses. So a couple months went by and I had an opportunity to take a lunch with a, a woman that owned a company, a very large company. And I was telling her my testimony and what my calling was, was that to, to be an advocate for young adults with disabilities. And surprisingly, she said, well, it's funny because I'm looking for a guy just like you. <laughs> Sorry, gets at me every time. So I launched out into this company and my job is to create a employment opportunities for young adults statewide. So the Lord is allowing me to throw a wider net, and it's about serving the least of these, because I firmly believe that these young adults, when they graduate from high school, just like you and I, they have unique gifts and talents, and we need to line those up with employment opportunities, living skills, and we are launching a division here in Knoxville, and they deserve the very best, and why I'm here this morning is I believe the very best is in this church and in this community. So we are hiring part-time and full-time individuals to work with these young adults, to teach them job skills, to take them grocery shopping and teach them what that's all about, and community involvement. And that's something that we're recruiting for. So quite simply, I'll be here to give out my information, but I believe that, that there are folks here that do want to serve in that mission field, and that is to the least of these, because these young adults need you all, and they need folks that you might know as well. So that's it. Love you all. Thank you for the opportunity. Love you, Dave. Thank you, Pastor. Love you, Dave. Thanks for sharing. Am I back on? There we go. Dave, thank you for sharing your heart. Love you. Um, so 
what we're going to do as a church for the next couple of Sundays, we'll have information available for you guys. Here, here's the deal. It's not just like, hey, you specifically, we want you to come work and do this. Um, we're looking for people who would have a real heart to serve and make a difference. And so you guys just be prayerful and thinking of somebody that you might know. I think they just need a high school education to do it. There's part-time opportunities, full-time, all of that. So if you just know somebody, go, man, they would be great at that. They would love that. They would love to come alongside a young adult with special needs, equip them, teach them, pour into them. It's just a really cool opportunity. So if you guys would just be sensitive to who you may know the Lord might lay on your heart, or maybe it's you and something in you is going, yes, I would love to do that, consider that. So I don't often create space up here for opportunities like that. Um, but I believe in this. It's obviously near and dear to me and my wife's heart um, because of our children, but it's, it's near to God's heart. It's near to God's heart, and Dave's the real deal, and this opportunity is awesome. So would you guys just prayerfully consider that, all right? All right. Let's pray and prepare our hearts now as we talk about living on mission this morning, living on mission. Um, and as we pray, I want to encourage you be open to what the Lord might specifically want to talk to you about. Because it's, it's very easy when we start talking about um, aspects of the scripture that are action-oriented. They're doing-oriented. Um, that any number of things can go on. Um, guilt can creep in. Like I might immediately feel like, oh man, I'm not doing enough for God and his kingdom. And it makes me feel bad about the way I've been living and Man, this is not about guilt or shame. It's not about trying to spur somebody to be motivated by guilt to do something. That's not the goal at all. The other thing that's possible is for us to just quickly go, okay, well, where's the list of things God's want me to do, and I'll go do those things. That's not what we're after either. My belief when it comes to living on mission is that there are specific, unique ways that God wants to talk to you, to me day by day, moment by moment, sometimes big picture calling. Dave gave an example of that in his life. But much of it is just day-to-day living with Jesus. And so I want to encourage you, more than just hearing the content of this message, open your heart to hearing God's call to live on mission with him every day in our lives. And so, Jesus, we invite you to come and speak to us. We invite you to come this morning and speak to us through your word. But God, we invite you to to help us live with a sense of purpose and awareness that you are with us and that the mission field is all around us. And God, to be aware that you bring purpose even into the most mundane circumstances of life. And so, God, would you inspire us where we need to be inspired? Would you equip us to grow where we maybe have inexperience or weakness? And, God, ultimately, may we have an encounter with you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Um, In conversation this week um, with our life group, actually, I was talking about how, you know, every Sunday, I hope and pray that the sermon on its own it makes sense. It connects with us. You know, my, my hope is that they kind of stand on their own. But if it was at all possible, the last two or three weeks are united. 
they're united. And I pray that we don't separate them. They're united in concept. And so I just I want to take two minutes and kind of remind us where we've been. We've been talking about following Jesus. He is the master. We are his apprentices. We have the opportunity to know him and to have real living relationship with him every single day. And so he invites us to follow him. And a part of that process involves what we talked about last Sunday, where, where he's changing us. He's growing us. You know, a good Bible word for you, sanctification. Like, we're being made new all the time. And so as I'm walking in real relationship with him, he begins to change my life. And one of the primary things that Jesus changes in us as we walk with him is, is he invites us into his purposes his plans, his ways. And so he is inviting us into the mission field with him. And so please, as we go into this this morning, keep that in mind. Jesus is in real living relationship with me. He's growing and changing my life, and he's inviting me to participate with him, okay? So our backdrop, our focus this morning is a very common passage of scripture that we've heard often. Um, We typically... Read Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20. Um, It's even got a title. We call it the Great Commission. I want to back up two verses prior to that so we have the full context. And let's just read through this together. And, And I want you to consider two basic things as we are reading this, okay? Number one, pay attention to the audience. Pay attention to who Jesus is talking to. The second thing I want you to consider as we're reading this is that this is Jesus' entire plan to change the world. The one who did all the miracles that we read about, uh, preached and shared the good news of the kingdom, we see that all through his life. The one who went to the cross, and listen, we can't let the wonder of this ever lose its impact. He rose from the grave. Like this victorious Jesus sacrificed his life, rose from the grave. He has defeated death. This is like astounding news. And he knows that it's world-changing stuff. And his plan was not to float around in the sky and attract all comers and change the world. This was his plan to change the world. So pay attention to his audience and that this is his plan to change the world. Here we go. Matthew chapter 28, verse 16. Now the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. That's the audience. The imperfect followers of Jesus who worshiped him, they loved him, but man, they struggled. They doubted. They they had their issues. These were imperfect people. And Jesus looks at these guys in the midst of their doubt and they're grappling with what has just happened in our lives. Jesus said to them, verse 18, Jesus came and he said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. That's kingdom of God. This whole sermon series has been about the kingdom of God. He's saying, I have got all authority in heaven and on earth. It's been given to me. In light of that, 
verse 19. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. Go therefore, live with purpose, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Verse 20, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. I love that Jesus takes us as we are. People who will go where he calls us to go, who have our eyes on him to worship, with our doubts, our struggles, our fears, he'll take us as we are. And he says, you're my game plan to change the world. You're it. You're it. We are here this morning because we don't have the actual list in front of us now. We will in heaven. It'll be exciting. But somewhere along the way, one of these 11 guys shared the kingdom of God with someone. And they did it purposely, intentionally. They brought them into the life of Jesus. And that person passed it on to somebody else. And person by person, over thousands of years, someone shared God's kingdom with you. Someone shared God's kingdom with me. We're here as a direct result of this. Guys, we are a part of this. And so what I want to do is really simply, I want to look at three things together this morning as it relates to living on mission. Living on mission. Number one, we're called to live on purpose. Number two, we need to live with awareness. And number three, we get to live with power. There is living power available in Jesus. So let's tackle these. Living with purpose. Matthew 28, 19, just a little piece of that. Kind of the first, the first real um, thing that Jesus said here, the first real initiative is, go therefore and make disciples of all nations. Um, or as Bob Goff would say, everybody always, right? This is everybody always. Every person is loved by God, and God wants to touch their lives, and he wants us to participate in that. Go therefore to everybody always. Now this word go, it, it does mean to like go. Like Andrew, get up and go over there, right? That's an example of how that would be used. But it, it means even more than that. It really means as you go. This word can be used for like as you travel along the way. The idea is as you are navigating life, Go with purpose. Go with purpose. We've, we've called this series The Hidden Kingdom. And, and one of the reasons we call it that, one of the reasons I'm calling it that, is because if you're anything like me, man, I just live very much in the moment, what I see, what's tangible in front of me, and I miss out what was anchoring underneath Jesus' call. Jesus says, all authority has been given to me on heaven and on earth. Guys, we get to participate in seeing the unseen become reality, become seen. We get to participate in that. This world is teeming with opportunity. God longs to invade individual lives, and he longs to see his purposes happen through us and change people, families, communities, 
And the first thing that needs to happen in us is that we realize life is filled with purpose and possibility. Listen, this message is not about you finding a specific mission and calling in your life. That's a thing. It's a real thing. God will give us very specific callings and purposes. It might be a job. It might be something you commit um, your time outside of work to. Your calling might be to your children, to your family. Like, we get different callings. And so that fits under this umbrella. But I'm not talking about finding a specific calling, like I'm supposed to be a missionary. Or Jake's job now is to convince us we're all supposed to go be pastors. No. I'm talking about having purpose in the everyday. Purpose in the moment-by-moment living. Realizing that there is opportunity all around me if I recognize there's purpose all around me. If I recognize it. And so Jesus is calling them into this. Now, this isn't out of nowhere, okay? I, I want us to see this. And, and we've talked about this verse already in this series, but I just want to circle back and make the connection. As Jesus is preparing to return to heaven and send the disciples out, he's not dropping a new concept on them. This is what he called them to when he first called them, and it was what he verbalized, showed them, taught them, lived with them his entire time with them. His opening call to a couple of them is found in Matthew 4.19, where he looks at a few fishermen, Peter, James, John, and he says, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. This was his whole idea from the beginning. Come follow me and you're going to participate in this adventure with me. And in the same way that you're seeing me catch men and women, invite them into the kingdom of God, you're going to learn to do the same thing. You're going to be on this crazy adventure with me. It was his original call. It was his final directive to them. Okay, this, this is his heart. This is his mission. And friends, we are invited into this. And so a huge part of our growth process, remember he said, I'm going to make you into something. You're going to change All of last Sunday was about change and about growth. A huge part of our growth process is becoming people who live with purpose. And it's a specific purpose to pass on what we've received from Jesus. To pass on the life we've learned from him. And so I want to give you an example of this this morning in Jesus' life. Okay, because we go, well, man, his whole life was purpose. Yeah, absolutely. But do you realize there were parts of Jesus every day that were just so normal? They're just so normal. Think back to some of the places in Scripture where, you know, you can just imagine him sitting around a, a campfire with the disciples, and they're sharing a meal, and they're talking. They're just so normal. I want to I give you an example of one of those just so normal moments. In John's Gospel, chapter 4, verse 3, um, Jesus is leaving one region and moving to another region. And so he, it's, just, it's a travel day. It's a travel day. This is like I'm going from Knoxville to Nashville for work. It's a travel day. You know, I just got to get from A to B. Maybe I'll stop in Cookville, get a bite to eat, hit, grab a Starbucks to give me a little boost of energy to go the rest of the way. You can tell I'm someone that's driven to Nashville a handful of times over the years. Like, it's a travel day, okay? Normal day. Let's pick up the story in verse 3. John 4, verse 3. Jesus left Judea and departed again for Galilee. 
and he had to pass through Samaria. We're just getting his, this is, this is the Bible GPS here, all right? This is like pulled up Google Maps. Okay, to get from there to there, we're going through Samaria. So he had to pass through Samaria, verse 5. So he came to a town of Samaria called Sychar, near the field that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there. So Jesus, wearied as he was from his journey, was sitting beside the well. Do you just, do you hear how normal this is? He's traveling, probably on some dirty, dusty roads. Him and the disciples are on their way. They've hit a little stop-off point. He's too tired to even go into town with them. He's like, here's a well. I'm, I'm just going to chill out, catch my breath. Y'all can go on into town. And so here's Jesus sitting by the well. It's about the sixth hour. So it's like, that means the sixth hour of light. So it's, it's midday. It's hot. It's about the sixth hour. Verse 7, a woman from Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, give me a drink. This is still so normal. <laughs> He's sitting by the well, doesn't have anything to draw water. Here comes a lady from town. She's clearly there for that purpose. Hey, could you draw some water and give me a drink? For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. Normal, average, everyday moment. He's tired, he's weary, he just wants a drink. What we know of this story is this is the story of the woman at the well. Where Jesus shares about the living water that he has to offer, that only comes from God. It's a water that be, goes beyond a cup of water that might quench an immediate thirst. It's the kind of water that will refresh and restore and change your entire life, and you'll never be thirsty again. In the physical and practical, in this moment, Jesus is in need. I, I think sometimes we forget he was a man. He got tired, he got hungry, he got thirsty. He needed a break from people. Did you know that? Scripture shares stories where he would look to get away to a desolate place. What's he saying? I need some alone time. I'm peopled out. So he's, a, he's a real person. But in this normal, average moment when he's tired and weary and wants a drink, he sees the person. He sees the opportunity, and the message this morning isn't about that entire story. I will unpack it more someday. But he doesn't just see a person. He sees a person he should not even be talking to. He sees a woman, a man and a woman outside, alone, at a well. They would not be interacting with one another. That was kind of like a taboo thing. But throughout Scripture, we actually see, see Jesus valuing and uplifting women, even beyond what his culture currently was the norm. Not only was it a woman, it was a Samaritan woman. Andrew just taught a couple weeks about the story of the Good Samaritan. This, this was like an outsider. In fact, someone that, that Jews did not get along with. There was like every reason for this to be someone that he would not even pay attention to or ignore. But he saw the person. He saw the opportunity. And he shared life with her. He shared life with her. See, this is the way he lived. He was a living example of living on purpose. I, I worry sometimes when, when I preach a message like this, because, because I've been pastoring here for five years and I was in ministry for well over a decade in Franklin, that's like, you just hear this as the pastor who, 
his job is his calling. You know, his job, he gets paid to preach. He gets paid to pray with people, talk with people. Like, guys, can I just tell you, like, I'm a regular guy. There's times where I don't feel like talking to y'all. I'm tired. I'm worn out. I don't really, you know, there's weeks where I don't feel like going to life group. Hey, there's Sundays where right here is the last place I want to be. <laughs> that's just true. And the worship leader says, amen. <laughs> like, it, that's just real. And guys, not only am I just a regular guy here as a pastor, there was a whole period of my life where I wasn't a pastor and had no plans to be a pastor, didn't want to be a pastor. It was the furthest thing from my mind. In fact, from 19 to 26, I was just a young guy trying to figure out what am I doing with my life? Where am I heading? Jesus captured my heart. I fell in love with him, and, and this, was, this was all I knew. All I knew was he's awesome. He's awesome. He's, he's changing my life. He's captured my attention. I'm worshiping him. I'm struggling with doubts. I'm learning. I'm growing. But I'm hungry. And one of the things that began to stir in me, and I didn't even know the right words for it, but I just felt like Jesus was, was pouring all this love, and, and I was hearing his word, and it was stirring me. I felt like I had to do something with it. I didn't know what to do with it. So I just, I did crazy stuff. Like, I'd go to the mall and look for people to talk to. And at, at 20 years old, I'll never forget, I, I've used this story for years. Um, for years at Grace Chapel, in our foundations, our version of foundations classes there, I would always teach on evangelism, which was funny because I've never felt like I'm particularly good at that. <laughs> and I would always use this example, this story. So I was at the Cool Springs Mall, and I was around 20 years old, and I saw a kid that was like a loose acquaintance, you know, like we'd met before. And I'm just like, all right, I'm gonna go share Jesus with him. And so I find this kid in the food court, and I corner him, and I start talking to him, and I'm not kidding you, like, I told him everything I ever knew about the Bible. Like, I just unloaded, and I mean, if I had eyes to see it, he was just kind of, like, it was almost, like, overpowering him. And I'm, I'm thinking, like, I'm going to say all this stuff, and then he's going to give his life to Jesus right here in this moment. That is not what his reaction was by the time I was done talking. He was like, okay, cool, thanks, ma'am. Boom, he was gone and out of there. And, like, I say that to say, like, Living on purpose, it's going to be clunky. It's going to be messy. You're going to get it wrong. But like, I just was excited to tell somebody about Jesus. And thankfully, he helps me grow and learn. And maybe I can get better at, you know, asking questions, listening to the person, seeing if they're even interested in this conversation. You know, I can grow. But my heart was just stirring. I wanted to be around people who love Jesus. So I just showed up. A bunch of the guys at church showed up on Saturdays. They did their setup and teardown in a school on Saturday, or set up, not teardown, on Saturdays. That wouldn't make sense to tear it down before church on Sunday. They set it up on Saturdays. These guys would show up really early on Saturday morning. So I just started going. I didn't like getting up early on Saturdays. I've never been a morning person. I didn't like hauling chairs around, building a state. I didn't like any of that. But I was hanging around people who loved Jesus, and I just wanted to spend time with them. One Sunday, I'm sitting in the sanctuary, been at Grace Chapel for about a year, and our pastor gets up and he says, hey, I'm looking for guys who are willing to go to Africa for 10 days and sweat in the sun and swing a hammer because we're gonna put a roof on a medical building. Who wants to go? And I just knew I gotta go to that. 
Now, I'm, I'm not saying this to go, look at me. I'm saying this to say, I don't know what will, it will look like for each of us. But it's not about having a job or a vocation where you're in ministry. It's about recognizing Jesus is real and he's present and he's doing things in me and he's doing things around me and I can participate with him. And so I can look at just opportunities there in front of me. God, who are the people that I know? Where's the place that I go to work? Where do I go spend time? Today's a travel day. Where am I going to be? And just, just having a sense of purpose to realize God wants to do stuff. He wants to do stuff. And see, his kingdom is always about people. That's the whole deal. Living with purpose is realizing God wants to touch people. That's it. That's what he wants to do. He wants to be king of their lives, not because he's a narcissist who wants to be in charge of as many people as possible, but because he knows he made them. He designed them fearfully and wonderfully made. And he designed us to be connected with him because he's the source of life. And he doesn't just reach down into our lives and let us connect with him and receive his life. He then says, you can be a part of this adventure. You can be a part of watching other people make this connection with me. And so we live with purpose. One more example here, John chapter 4 still little further into that chapter, verse 31. He's now talked to the woman, had his whole encounter with her. She's gone back into the village to tell people about Jesus. The disciples are like, man, what were you doing talking to that lady? Like, this is kind of what's transpiring here now. And in verse 31, it says, Meanwhile, the disciples were urging him, saying, Rabbi, eat. They know he was hungry and thirsty. And now more time has passed, and he had this whole interaction with this woman. He's got to be just starving. His physical needs need to be met. Rabbi, eat. But Jesus said to them, I have food to eat that you do not know about. So the disciples said to one another, has anyone brought him something to eat? <laughs> and Jesus said to them, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. He's saying that's what energizes me. That's what fills me up. 35, do not say, or sorry, do you not say, there are yet four months, then comes the harvest. See, he's saying, you're looking at the physical. You know right here today, it's four months till harvest. Look, I tell you to lift up your eyes and see that the fields are white for harvest. He's saying, guys, don't be blind to the kingdom that's available right here, right now. Don't get so locked up on just the task in front of you, this immediate moment, this immediate need. Lift up your eyes and see there's a harvest. There's people. And that is what is fulfilling and satisfying is participating with him to touch the lives of other people. Living with purpose. The second aspect of living on mission is living with awareness. Now these two, I mean, they're basically related to one another. They're almost the same point. But living with purpose is about recognizing this is reality. Jesus is with me, and he wants to touch lives today. And so I want to purpose 
to, to participate with him. Now, living with awareness is walking that out. It's having our eyes open. And so watch, watch what he calls us to do. Matthew 28, 20 now. Teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. Teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. That word observe, it gets translated as obey because that's part of it. Like we participate with what we've been taught. But it really does mean observe. It means to attend carefully. It means to take care of, like almost like you treasure it. It means to observe attentively and to keep your eyes fixed upon. So I'm, I'm supposed to give this to people. But he's saying, give them what you've received. What have you observed of me? What have you observed of my life? What have you taken in from me? And then now, live that out. What you've watched me do, how you've watched me live. Like, really take it in. Treasure it. Hold on to it. And then learn to pass that on. And so, what did Jesus do? Check this out, Matthew 9, 35 through 36. And Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom. That means the good news of the kingdom, that it's available. Healing every disease and every affliction. Verse 36, when he saw the crowds, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. I, I challenge you in your Bible reading, not challenge like I'm challenging you, but just I would encourage you to do this. In your Bible reading, specifically when you read through the Gospels, I want to encourage you, watch for how often the, the Scripture describes Jesus seeing people. Like, like really seeing people, aware of them, aware of their need, aware of their condition. We just looked at this last Sunday when we talked briefly about the rich young ruler. The scripture says Jesus looked at him and loved him. He looked at him and loved him. In this passage, it says Jesus had compassion on them. He saw that life was hard. He saw people that were beat up. They're harassed. They're helpless. They're like sheep that just need some direction. He had a heart for people. He was observant of other people. See, friends, a big part of growing in our relationship with Jesus, it's not just learning what he said. It's learning his methods. How did he operate? How did he navigate in this world? See, if I've got all of his teachings memorized, but I don't recognize that Jesus was so present with people and saw people and cared for them and was engaged with them, I miss that. I can have all kinds of scripture memorized and be ready to go, and you could be like me in the mall. I'm preaching at this kid. But the truth is I didn't really see him. Like, I didn't really see the kid that was in front. I didn't really understand where he was coming from. I didn't, I didn't talk. There wasn't that level of, like, real attentive engagement. You know, I just carried my message and went, blah, <laughs> on him. Let's, uh, let's learn to observe him. Let's watch how he operated. And, and here's what's interesting. Jesus says this in a couple of places. We just read a version of it a second ago. 
But right here, same passage, Matthew 9, verses 35 and 36, he sees the crowds, he has compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless. And then look at the next verse, verse 37. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. What do we do? We see the opportunity, we pray. We pray. We pray that God would touch these people's lives. But specifically, how do we pray? We pray that he would send some people to touch those people's lives. There's opportunity everywhere, Jesus says. Let's pray that the laborers will have eyes to see it. Let's pray that we would be aware of the opportunity in front of us. I want to just pause right here and encourage you. If you're looking for a place to start, if you're hearing this and going, okay, Jake, I'm, I'm already sold. I get it. We should be purposeful, and I recognize I should probably be more aware than I have been. This is the place to start with prayer. You don't have to wait till next Sunday, but that is the topic of next Sunday's message. Jesus prayed all the time. And it's how he participated with the Father in impacting the lives of other people. That's an action point for us. We can pray. But I want to warn you to be aware that when you pray, there's a very good chance you might be the answer to the prayer you're about to pray. And to let you know I know what I'm talking about, I would just highlight to you my son sitting over here in this section. We just started praying for kids in other countries who needed homes. And then we prayed for individual kids who were a magnet on our fridge to find a home. And then we joined our finances to our prayers and we began giving little donations of money to kids who needed a home. And then one day, through, first to my wife and then eventually this knucklehead got on board, Jesus said, hey, you're the answer to that prayer. And now my life has been forever changed by my beautiful son, Michael. God does this kind of stuff. And guess what? That's what he did in this story. Because in our Bible, chapter 9 ends right there. You go to chapter 10, the very next verse, Jesus is sending them out two by two to go minister in the surrounding cities. Pray that there will be laborers. Now go be a laborer, is what Jesus says and does there. One last thought I want to leave you with in this living with awareness phase. I want to encourage you to really wrestle with this and consider it. I mentioned this briefly a minute ago, but our growth is directly tied to our ability to give away what we've received. I'm going to say that again. Our growth, your growth in your walk with Jesus, my growth in my walk with Jesus is directly tied in my ability to give away what I've received. It's a part of my growth process. Check this out. Hebrews chapter 5, verses 11 through 14. Paul, or the writer of Hebrews, is, is making a, a biblical point, and it's kind of this big, thoughtful, thought-provoking thing, and he pauses in the middle of it to say this. Hebrews 5, 11. About this, we have much to say, and it is hard to explain since you have become dull of hearing. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. 
You need milk, not solid food. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness since he is a child. But solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers and discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. Friends, if sitting and eating, spiritually speaking, was enough to produce growth and maturity, then this wouldn't be enough. The reality is, Jesus has intended all along that one of the best things for our growth and maturity is that from the very start, we're going to be the kind of people who are going to give it away. When, when I started having to take the things I had learned from Christ and had to explain them to middle school kids, I realized something. I didn't know this as well as I thought I did. But giving it away, teaching it, interacting with somebody, living it, it engages it at a level that we would never grow otherwise. And I've believed this for a long time, and I've told you all this once or twice over the years. I believe that a lot of our American churches are filled with people that know a lot of stuff. And I believe that we have, spiritually speaking, a lot of obese Christians in this country who have taken in and taken in and taken in and sat and sat and grew and grew and did nothing with it. And that is not Jesus' intent. His intent is that the spiritual food we are taking in gets used, that we're active with it. The Bible even uses the example of being like an athlete. We utilize what he's poured into us. We give it away. It's for our growth. That's the deal. It's not just he's trying to get us to help them. He's trying to get us to help us. I'm going to grow. I'm going to learn. I'm going to be engaged. In fact, guys, I believe many Christians have hit these stagnant places in life where we're going, I don't really understand what's going on. I don't know why I'm sitting here, and I'm, I just feel kind of blah and apathetic, and I'm not super motivated. I've definitely lost interest in going and sitting here in sermons. Yeah, because maybe you don't need to hear anymore. Maybe you need to go live some of them. We're meant to be engaged. I'm not talking about, again, well, then that means i got to go live on the mission field somewhere. Well, maybe. But maybe there is a renewed purpose that we would have in life if we realize life is teeming all around me with opportunity. The kids right there in my home, radical opportunity to touch young lives with the truth of Jesus Christ. People at my work that are harassed and helpless and hurting, and I could have eyes of compassion to see them. How can I listen to them? How can I pray for them? How can I love on them? And maybe I can even begin to start to give away little bits of what I've received. Y'all catching this? Living with awareness. Last thing, I'll close with this. Y'all have been great. Y'all have been patient. Living with purpose, living with awareness. I just simply want to encourage y'all. We get to live with power. We get to live with power. Look at how Jesus bookended this stuff he called them into. Matthew 28, I'm going to read from verse 18 and from verse 20. It's the bookends of his point here. Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. And then he ends his sending out by saying, And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. You're not going out there alone. I'm with you, I'm in you, and I've got everything you need. 
I've got all power. I've got all authority. So go, because I will be with you. Now, I want to close by giving you an example of this in the lives of these guys. And so we move into the book of Acts, and in Acts chapter 3, we see Peter and John doing a very normal thing, just like we saw Jesus doing a very normal thing at the well. Check this out. Acts 3, 1 through 10. Now Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. This is like normal stuff. It's time for daily prayer. We're going for prayer. This is what we do. Verse 2. And a man lame from birth was being carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple that is called the beautiful gate to ask alms of those entering. So Peter and John are doing a very normal thing that they would do anytime they were in Jerusalem. We're going to, to the temple. It's time for prayer. It's the hour of prayer. And this guy who's been lame from birth, he's doing what he's done every day. In fact, the next chapter tells us he's over 40 years old and he's been lame from birth. People have been setting him in this same spot to receive alms. That's his routine. Stuck, crippled, begging. That's his routine. Here's Peter and John, their routine. Man, we're going to the temple. We're going to pray. It's what we do. And as they're going, as they're living, verse 3, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked to receive alms. So again, this guy just did what he normally does. There are some people walking past me. Will you give some alms? And then notice what happens next, verse 4. And Peter directed his gaze at him. Normal, everyday opportunity, but he's living with a sense of purpose because he's been told to go, therefore, and make disciples. Go, therefore, and share the kingdom. So he just has purpose about him. And then he sees the specific opportunity. Now, I, I want you to pause and think about this for a minute. Had Peter and John ever walked past this guy before? Yeah. Can I ask you another question? Had Jesus ever walked past this guy before? Yeah. But in this moment, in this instant, Jesus, who is with and in Peter and John, I, I've even, I, this is just my holy imagination. This is not biblical. I even wonder if Jesus walked past that guy knowing, oh, I can't wait. Can't wait. I know, even, even thinking, buddy, I know you've been there for years, but something really cool is going to happen. It's going to be cool for you, and it's going to be cool for these guys behind me because I'm going to involve them in the process. And so, Peter and John, who had observed Jesus, saw the opportunity in front of them. They directed their gaze at him, it says about Peter, and it says, as did John. And Peter said, look at us. You know what that tells me? This guy's used to getting ignored. He probably had his head down, honestly. Oh, there's some people walking by, alms, alms. Peter goes, no, 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 I see you. John says, I see you. And they catch his attention. Hey, look at us. We're, we're right here with you. We see you. And they engage with him. Verse 5. And he fixed his attention on them, expecting to receive something from them. But Peter said, I have no silver and gold, 
but what I do have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Peter and John were aware of what they didn't have, but they were also aware of what they did have. I've got Jesus, and that's enough. I wonder how often the thing that that keeps us from engaging with a little bit more purpose is we don't think we have enough. I don't know enough yet. I can't explain this very well. I don't, man, if I pray with somebody, I I don't know if God's going to do a miracle. I don't know if he'll heal them. That's risky. How could I risk to pray for this person to get up and walk? What if they don't? Like we, we just, we can, we can focus so much on our lack that we forget he said, I have all authority in heaven and on earth, and I'm with you. I'm not trying to say that every time we're willing to engage with people that need something miraculous to happen, that in that moment, every time, we will see a miracle. But what I am saying is, I believe many of us forget who's with us and forget who's in us and forget that what we have received from him, we can give away. And so there may be experiences I haven't had with him yet, but there are some experiences I have had. He has touched my life. He's healed me. He's forgiven me. He's given me endurance when he hasn't healed me. Like I've experienced Jesus and I can can give that Jesus away. And I just wonder how many of us have missed out on the power of God because we haven't allowed ourselves to rely on that power. Like, Like am I willing to rely on the fact that all I have is him and recognize that's enough. I don't have to have all the answers. I don't have to have all the explanations. I can just live on purpose, and when an opportunity is in front of me, I can really see it and engage with that person, and then I can say, okay, Jesus, you're all I've got. Help. (laughs) Help them. Help me. You come do your stuff. And he looks and he says, yep, the harvest is ripe, and I've got a laborer who's ready. Let's go. Let's go. May we learn to live on mission with a sense of purpose, with a sense of awareness, and not worrying about our lack, but relying upon the power of the one who is always with us. Let's pray. Jesus, I thank you for the adventure that is available in you. God, I thank you that people went on an adventure and shared you with me, and that has changed my life. Jesus, thank you that I can know you and I can follow you and that you're growing and changing me, and thank you that you are inviting me to participate with you in bringing a taste of heaven to earth and seeing people's lives touched by you. Whether it's people meeting you for the very first time or it's people that just just need a fresh touch, a fresh encounter, a word of encouragement. God, whatever it may be, Lord, I pray for myself, for my friends here in this room, my friends watching online, listening to the sermon later, whatever, God. God, we pray for our church family, Lord, that we would live with a sense of mission and purpose, that we would see even the most mundane moments of our lives filled with new vision because you are present with us. And your kingdom is available to touch lives. May we live on purpose in our homes, at our jobs, at the grocery store, even on a road trip. Thank you that you're with us. 
Thank you that you love us. And thank you that we can participate with you. It's in Jesus' name we pray this morning. Amen.